Welcome to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Soccer Morning, Backheel.com. Tuesday, February. Tuesday, February 3rd, 2015. Ready to go. Live and uh, fired up here to talk some soccer here. On a uh, on a Tuesday morning, I keep saying Tuesday. I'm not sure why. Tuesday is one of those days. Uh, it's not quite middle of the week. It's not. Uh, it's not Monday. It's slightly better. We've got a few things to talk about today. We're going to grab two of our favorite guests, uh, David Cartledge from over in Spain, will join us at 10:30 to talk some La Liga. There's uh, plenty of of intrigue in the relationship between the league and the the government. There's a uh, Questions over that Neymar transferred once again and some tax implications perhaps for the Barcelona president. And at 10-10, we'll grab Tom Marshall from down in Mexico, talk Liga MX and L3 with him. Not, not a whole lot of things to talk about on the national team front. It's one of those periods where there's not a lot going on. But you did have, Car- uh, you did have Carlos Vela, who just made his way back into the Mexican national team after a long absence for whatever reason, go down with a knee injury over the weekend. It's like it's like, come on, fates. What are you th- what are you doing here? The guy just came back. Well, it's only it's a two months a two month absence for uh, for Vela, so he probably won't miss any important matches. But it does make it more difficult for for Mexico and Herrera to get him fully integrated. So those are our guests: Tom Marshall, ten ten, David Cartledge, ten thirty. Be on the lookout for that. Let's start with the news this morning. Transfer deadline day came and went yesterday, with basically nothing happening. It was a day, it was a dull, dull day. I don't know if Sky Sports did their thing because I didn't watch any coverage. I'm sure they did. Uh, let's go out to, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They do it. Let's go out, let's go out to the training ground for Tottenham and see what's going. Oh, uh, well, Tottenham's going to send Aaron Lennon on loan to, to Everton. That's about all that happened yesterday. A couple of other smaller moves, but there are no helicopters in the air. No big names changed places except for that, that Schurla move to Wolfsburg, which got done and Juan Cuadrado joining Chelsea from Fiorentina. Those, that's as far as I can tell. That's it. So transfer deadline day came and went and it was a done. In the FIFA governance news, Prince Ali bin Al Hussein held a press conference in London today. So some, uh, some journalists tweeting about his, uh, his, Comments there, mostly about the lack or the uh, the concern over intimidation. Of course, he talked about the desire to change things. He did say, "Sepp Blatter, that everything needs to be." Uh, Sepp Blatter is ultimately responsible for everything that's happened under his uh, under his watch. And we did learn that uh, we did learn six countries nominated Prince Ali for FIFA president. Those six countries being Jordan, England, Malta. Georgia, Belarus, and the good old USA. The United States has backed Prince Ali for FIFA president. What does that mean exactly? I don't know. Does it mean anything at all that the United States is one of the countries that has nominated what is considered to be Seth Blatter's chief challenger in this in this race? Does the United States fear any reprisals from Sepp should he win? Yet another term? Should the United States be, just ignore any fear of reprisal? If they honestly believe at U.S. soccer that it's time for a change and Seth Blatter's part of the problem there at FIFA, 
Should it matter if there's a chance that once Sepp is in power, he's going to do some things that may punish the... I mean, what really, what can they do at this point? The United States actually has a bit of a buffer, a shield, being as large as it is, having the corporate clout here that we do, being home to so many companies that FIFA's going to want to have involved in their activities from a, from a financial standpoint. Maybe the United States can kind of avoid any reprisal, any retribution on the part of Sepp Blatter should he win. And that's why you back somebody to come in and reform things, or at least to come in and be different than Sepp. Let me dig into this a little bit deeper, because it fascinates me. I want to know whose decision it was. I mean, ultimately, I suppose it's Sunil Gulati's decision. But it is fascinating me just a little bit. All right, so you got that uh, happening in London. Tim Cahill has left the New York Red Bulls. That is official, done by mutual uh, consent, and he is looking to move, and he will move to China to play with Shanghai Xinhua. I have no idea. If I'm not mistaken, I have to go back and look. This was the this is the club where Drogba spent a bit of time, is it not? So this is one of the bigger spending clubs in China. Cahill's traded in his MLS experience, his MLS experiment for a Chinese experiment. Now, if I'm not mistaken, during that ten that time when Didier Drogba was in China, there were questions over consistent payment by the Shanghai club. Not always there with the checks. He did spin. He played 11 games, scored eight goals in 2012. Didier Drogba did. Hopefully that's not the issue. That's not an issue for Cahill. I don't know exactly what went sideways, but I think everybody's sort of relieved that this is done there in New York, that Cahill has finally moved on and the team can move on. We got new figures coming in, new coach, new general manager, technical director, president, whatever he is, new players, flushing out that old regime, and that includes Cahill, who again, who, who seemed to have some issues with uh, with the brass there while he was there. Japan has fired Javier Aguirre, former Mexico head, uh, national team head coach, over this match-fixing scandal from his time back in Spain. Uh, at first, Japan was backing Javier Aguirre, and I'm not sure what exactly what's going on, what ch- what has changed for them, unless some further evidence has come out to indicate Aguirre did actually know what was going on with these match-fixing allegations, again, during his time in Spain. Uh, Japan has decided to move on. Now, it, this could be a situation where Japan just decided he wasn't worth the trouble anymore. Aguirre was a was um, the focus of an anti-corruption, uh, sorry, a, a match-fixing probe from his time at Real Saragossa in 2010-2011. He denied any wrongdoing. The J- J- Japanese Federation had stood by him during the Asian Cup in in uh, in Australia. But he, uh, but they have decided to cancel his contract. At this point, we've decided that we will cancel his contract. First of all, we'd like to convey to Coach Aguirre that the reason for the cancellation is we want to avoid any influence to the national team on their preparation for the World Cup. We want to avoid those risks. There is a possibility he will be indicted, and then a court case could begin. So essentially, they're saying, let's just move, move it, remove a distraction here. You feel bad for Aguirre if he didn't do anything wrong while at uh, Saragossa. 
But from a Japanese standpoint, it makes sense. Finally, the uh, LA Galaxy visited the White House yesterday, part of uh, that annual champion visit. I think they were there with the LA Kings, the Stanley Cup champions. They all got together. Two words with one stone for President Obama, who did point out uh, and, and did signal out Robbie Rogers and his uh, his influence, his uh, struggle, his, well, whatever you want to call it there. Robbie Rogers, who um, is an inspiration, clearly, to uh, to gay athletes and having come out of the closet and played for the LA Galaxy and done so well with for the for the team last year in a new position got special uh, recognition by President Obama he said it was a uh, one of the best moments of his life and just congratulate Robbie and the hey on the Galaxy on uh, getting to go to the White House it's a pretty good gig funny pictures from Omar Gonzalez can do bad can do bad I mean that's not uh, too bad not too shabby when we come back Tom Marshall Mexico World Cup on Twitter. Writer in various locations to talk to us about Mexico. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. Backheel.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning and joined now on Skype uh, by Tom Marshall, Mexico World Cup on Twitter. You know him, you love him. He writes in various places on the Mexican game. Uh, Tom, how are you, sir? I'm good, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for coming back. Uh, let's uh, let's start with uh, let's start with the. Um, the news out of Japan, which I just mentioned, it's a nice little bridge here. Javier, Javier Aguirre has been fired as the, the Japan national team head coach. Um, you know, we, it was an interesting, um, foray into international football for Aguirre, but he has, he has, he has been, uh, charged or, or at least he has been, um, he's being investigated for his part in a potential match fixing scandal back in Spain a couple of years ago when he was at Real Zaragoza and now has lost his job. What's the what's the take on Aguirre and um, and this situation in in, in Mexico itself? Yeah, I think uh, you know obviously he's, he's managed Mexico at two World Cups, so he's a you know massive name and pretty much the only Mexican manager at the minute who, who's going outside of the country and and has succeeded. So I think it's a, a big blow. I mean, I think that you know whether obviously we don't know there has been no formal charges against him yet so we're not sure, but it, it really doesn't look good, does it? I mean, you know, Japan um, decided to. Decided to get rid of him. They're saying that they don't want this kind of dark cloud hanging over as they as they go into the World Cup campaign. And obviously, the Asian Cup um, recently they they went out against UAE yeah. um, in the quarterfinal stage. I mean, yeah, that's so, like you know Mexico going out the Gold Cup against Panama in the quarterfinals or something. You know, it's it's not expected. It was a shock result. So I think both th- things kind of combined to uh, you know to to, to get him fired. But it really doesn't look good, does it? I mean, from a kind of PR point of view. Yeah, and certainly the 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 Asian Cup, um, the, the Asian Cup loss to UAE doesn't help. I mean, they they may be using this as a reason to get rid of him if they're not happy with the soccer, but we don't know that. Um, in the meantime, uh, do you think that that now that he's gone, that Aguirre will have another opportunity in Mexico? He's gonna have to sit out. Is he gonna have to sit out and wait as as the Spanish authorities go through this match fixing probe? I think. The way that this has been done with Japan and the way the the, the Japanese uh, Federation's president has come out and said, you know, this is really affecting the team. 
I think it's difficult for him to work now. Um, I think he's, I think he'll, he'd, he'd, if without this, with this hanging over him, he would have better options than coming back to, to Japan because he's got an, an excellent reputation over in Spain. So I don't know. I think, I think he's going to have a, a bit of time out. I just can't see any other way around it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, let's turn to, uh, to domestic issues in, in Mexico. We're going to get to the league table. Tijuana sitting at the top right now after very, very early in the Clausura, but we can certainly talk about, uh, the way things are shaking out in Liga MX. One of the, the biggest names in the country right now, of course, is Ronaldinho, uh, joined Caretro, um, last season, uh, before the Apertura, if I'm not mistaken. And there was a question about how long he would last there and, and his, his effectiveness. Um, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's not the most mobile player anymore, but he's certainly a wizard at times. How are things going right now with, with Ronaldinho and Caretro? Yeah, I think, you know, badly. No, there's no other way, uh, of looking at it. It's not going well. Um, I think it's on the point of kind of, you know, breakdown. I mean, I think really is now the last, his last chance. I mean, um, he signed, I think, in last September. Um, you know, he got himself more or less fit, played with Guerrero, but, um, in the, in the Apertura, but they actually went down. So when he signed, they were in the playoff places and by the end of the season, they, they missed out. Right. So, you know, that, that doesn't look good for a start. And then, then he went back to Brazil and for the, uh, for the close season and basically showed up, um, early January. Um, to train 6th of January and the, and the season started on like the 8th. So he, he, he turned up like three weeks after the preseason had started at Caretaro. Um, you know, he said he'd got personal problems and then, you know, he, he gets special permission to go back to Brazil. And then he, and then he puts up a photo of him like partying with like, you know, about 20 women. And <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just not very, uh, respectful towards Caretaro, who's sure. paying his wages, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if he has got real personal problems, then that's understandable, but, you know, it's it's not very good from somebody who's obviously been in the in the public spotlight for so long. He should know better than to do stuff like that, but I think now he's uh, coming back to full fitness, um, and now he really has to he has to start performing. Now he has to get this team going because he sh- he's likely to play this weekend, um, and, and that'll be his first start in the league this year against Veracruz, so, you know, it's not going well, and I think you know there was a lot of talk about MLS, but I think they've done quite well at the minute to uh, to not get him. To be honest, I, absolutely, I, I think he's probably more trouble than he's worth at this point in his career, and maybe Corretto is finding that out. But it, it, you do you sign up. I mean, do you sort of sign up for this kind of sh- shenanigans when you when you bring in Ronaldinho at this point in his career? I mean, he he's got a, he's got that rep anyway, and if he's if he's in the uh, if he's you know if he's a uh, in a situation where he feels like the big fish in a small pond, he's just gonna he's just gonna do what he wants. Yeah, I think it, it was a risk, wasn't it? It was definitely a risk, and um, you know, it, it looks like it's backfiring at the minute, um, which I think is a bit of a shame because you know Mexico. I mean, it's probably the biggest player ever in terms of name to play in Mexico. Uh, you know, maybe Eusebio as well, going going way back. But um, so it is a shame, and and you know, he, he you have to look at the player as well. I mean, Ronaldinho now. I mean, he came and he was saying the right things when he signed, but he's not, he's not done it and, and he needs to get fit. And there was this report last week that, you know, he doesn't, the, the, the Caretaro fitness trainer was on ESPN and said, Ronaldinho doesn't like running in training. He can't get him to run, like do kind of proper running. So it's like, I mean, it just, everything that's happening surrounding Ronaldinho at the minute is negative And, uh, you know, it's, it's really the opposite of what, um, you know, of what people wanted from in Coreto and also in the Liga MX. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where, um, you know, clearly Liga MX ahead of, of MLS in a lot of ways. We know this. We talk about the money uh, naturally, Tom. But, yeah. but both leagues have an issue 
in the regard of bringing in uh, you know these later year big name talents and and seeing whether or not they they are actually interested. Like in this case, and maybe Ronaldinho is a very maybe that's an outlier in Mexico. And Mexico doesn't you know doesn't go after the. Uh, the aging stars the same way that MLS does as a matter of marketing because there's 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 a strong it's a stronger league already, but yeah that's this is an issue that I think both both leagues need to wor- worry about when they when they talk about bringing in these gigantic names is will they actually be engaged and want to put in the work I mean Ronaldinho came with a reputation anyway yeah so. no I think um, I think it's gonna you know reoccur going forward as well because you know I just I was looking at the FIFA kind of uh, international transfer report. From last year, when you look at you know the, the Concacaf region is is getting more kind of um, powerful in terms of the transfer market, and I think we've seen an increase. I think in MLS, but definitely in in Liga MX of of players coming over from Europe, and I think that's going to continue to happen. And and you know it needs all the good publicity it can with with these kind of players, and not uh you know not the stuff like uh, what's going on with Ronaldinho at the minute. Uh, let's look to the league here. A couple of things happening, um, both again in the table, uh, as I mentioned, T1 at the top. I'm going to turn to Chivas though, just, uh, just to go focus on a couple of things. One, Chivas pulling themselves up a little bit, um, in terms of that relegation fight that they have. Now, again, for those who don't know, relegation in Mexico, sort of similar to, to relegation in Argentina, in which a, a bunch of math is involved. It's a, it's a three, uh, how many? How many? Uh, it's a three season or, or six six tournament aggregate, right? Yeah, six six tournaments in three years. So you have to be pretty bad to go down. <laughs> and, and and Chivas de Guadalajara was being threatened with that relegation. Where do they stand at this exact moment? Because in terms of the in terms of this tournament and their standings, they're they're not they're not doing too badly to start the year. Yeah, I mean um, they're now five points clear of Puebla, and they're also above Leones Negros. Um, so the better than they started the season, um, it looks good on paper if you look at the league, and and you know it, last last weekend last Sunday's uh, last Saturday so his one nil win against Pachuca was a big step because Puebla could only manage to draw. Um, having said that, I mean it really isn't pretty. I mean it is Chepo de la Torre, the former Mexico manager, is in charge, and I don't know. It's not it's not easy to watch. It's um, not not exactly. Um, you know, beautiful football. It's very much kind of grinding out results, and and you know, when you're in a relegation fight, I suppose you know that's the that's uh, that's the way to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look right now that Chivas going to go down. Although they have to start improving because the, the, these results, they, they they had a very lucky decision with the referee. They won a penalty um, on Saturday to get the one 0 win, so they didn't really deserve it. But you know. <laughs> you need a bit of luck as well, and, and they're definitely getting that, which which is actually a bit of an issue in Mexico because people are going. Chivas have had two big refereeing decisions in the mm. first four games, um, and you know the really people on the telly and and in the in the in the press are going crazy about you know is is there a kind of conspiracy to save Chivas, which is uh, which is interesting. Yeah, you know what? Uh, we've had um, we we've had your colleague colleague um, Eric Gomez on the show, and he's been very cynical about. The potential for Chivas to go down as well, and, and, yeah. and something else, something else, perhaps behind the scenes, a change in ownership, one of these franchise swaps that we've seen in Mexico before, maybe the thing to save Chivas. Maybe it doesn't even get to that point. Maybe it's just a matter. And I don't like. I don't want to. I don't want to throw uh, accusations out that I haven't seen. But if you, if you, if there are questions in terms of refereeing decisions, then then that's just going to open up a can of worms that that the league can't want to to be uh, to be open. 
No, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that you look at the penalty and it's like the referee made a spot decision. I don't think there's anything kind of behind that. I mean, the player basically went down ridiculously easy. I mean, you know, there's two two ways of looking at it. He, he did really well, Fierro, the player, because he went down and he, he earned his team the three points. So the, or the other way is that he, that he dived and he cheated. So, I mean, um, it depends how you look at it. But, I mean, if you're the Chivas manager, he went down and, um, you know, he, he won his his team the three points but I think the Liga MX in terms of the kind of the you know the dodgy the the grey the grey areas there they, I mean they really don't help themselves when uh, I think it was a couple of years ago when um, when a team went down uh, Corretero went down and then they were able to buy the team out who basically went up I mean yeah. it really doesn't kind of just sport in ethics about you know people following the league and even as a journalist you you know you're following the relegation rule and then like Team goes down, and then one week, one week later, they just buy over, buy up another team, and the, yeah. and the back, <laughs> it just like thinks what's what's the point. So you know, I don't think they help themselves out in that regard. Uh, another issue at Guadalajara that certainly MLS fans will be uh, interested in here is the uh, fate of Kubo Torres. Now he's on he's on loan at, at Chivas. Uh, he'll be returning to MLS to play with Houston in the summer. But for the time being, want to see him get playing time. Want to see him uh, develop. And if he's going to be at, at Guadalajara. And miss out on the first half of, of Houston season, and he might as well be playing and scoring and goal scoring goals. So is he doing that, Tom? Is he is he playing? Is he scoring goals? No, I mean he's he's basically a substitute. He's played twenty two minutes of the of the team's first four league games. I mean he's been playing in the cup and he's been doing okay, but um, it is a really strange one. I mean Chepo de la Torres preferring Omar Bravo, who you know MLS fans will obviously know from his time there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean it, it really is a bit of a head scratcher, but I think. You know, Chepo basically is going with experience in this relegation battle. I think that Kubo Torres came into the season a bit behind on fitness, and that you know Bravo's the cap- the club captain, and he's he just uh, Chepo's he just prefers Bravo at the minute. Although it is a very strange one, you know, considering Kubo Torres is now a full Mexico international, and he can't get a game at Chivas who's fighting relegation. I mean, it's a strange one. I think fans, especially, I mean. Kubo is just so popular with the with the with the Chivas fans, and they, you know they want to see him play, and um, and you know obviously he's not doing it at the minute. And to be honest, as long as they're winning, I, I just can't see him getting back in the team. It, it, well, Chepo would not be the first manager, Tom, to uh, to go with the the older, more experienced player, whether he is the more talented player at this point in his career or not. He would not be the first manager to go with the older, more experienced player in a relegation fight. I mean, that's that's pretty standard around the world. We see a lot of younger players sort of get relegated to the bench. Uh, when when it's a matter of scraping every point you can get, yeah, I mean definitely. But then the question is, it seemed like when the negotiations with MLS and Kubo Torres were going on, one of the big things was that Kubo wanted to come back to Chivas at some point in some way. So they kind of came up, hashed out this deal where he'd, he'd play for six months. Now it's just very strange that you thought he would he would be playing. I mean, what what was the point of that? I mean, you already, you already had Omar Bravo, Marco Fabian back. Um, Aldo de Nigris there, uh, Carlos Fierro. I mean, Chivas have got a load of strikers now. I mean, they really have, you know, four, four big name strikers. And, uh, you know, it's like, what was the point in going through all that hassle if, um, if, you know, it just wasn't going to play at all? But yeah, I think, you know, Chivas at the minute, it's all about just avoiding that relegation. And, you know, if Kubo comes off the bench a few, in a few games this season and, and gets a couple of goals and earns him a couple of points, then it'll be completely worth it. Uh, well, we have a few minutes here. Let's talk about the team at the top of the table so far. Again, it's early in the Clausura tournament, but Tijuana sits on top right now. The Cholos, um, 
you know, a team that uh, that uh, has been um, home to a couple of uh, American players recently. We know that uh, Greg Garza is continuing to play there. Uh, from from what you've seen so far, again, it's it's early. They are so far the best team. Is this uh, is this a chance? Is there a real chance for for Tijuana to to finish the top of the standings, go into the go into the uh, Liga playoffs with a with a chance at a title? Yeah, I think there's there's no real favorite at the minute. Club America, obviously. The, t- the the reigning champion and, and on paper the best team, but they they got kind of going through a bit of transition now from uh, to with uh, the new coach Gustavo Matosas. So I think Tijuana have basically gone back to to that formula under Antonio Mohamed when they won the title, where they became a, just a, a team that was very difficult to break down, very tif- difficult to beat, and um, you know they're reaping the rewards from that. I mean, five straight wins in all competitions now. Um, Dairo Moreno, the Colombian striker, is is on form. He's been there a while now, and he's just all of a sudden decided that that um, he's you know he's, he knows where the back of the net is. Um, I think the team spirit in the camp, um, a couple of big name, um, they sold a couple of big name players in uh, Christian Pellerano and um, Dario Benedetto, who both went to America. On paper, two of the best players, but I think that um, it kind of broke up the uh, the Argentine stronghold in the camp. And, and, you know, now I think you can see on the pitch, the players are just a bit more, a bit happier with the way things are going and, and they're really playing as a team. And I think the team spirit is, is, uh, increased a lot. And, and I think that's one of the big reasons at Tijuana. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, Greg Gars as well playing really, really well this season. He really is, uh, doing well. And, and Joe Corona coming back now. Um, and I think we'll see him starting in the next few weeks now after his, uh, injury to his foot. Yeah, good to know that uh, Joe Corona may get a, uh, get back into this team. And uh, you know, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the table right now, Tom. Tijuana, Veracruz, Cruz Azul, Toluca, Guadalajara, America, Chiapas. I- I'm guessing that this is not anywhere close to what you expect to see when we wrap up this uh, this Clasura season. No, but, I mean, it's just a strange season, this one. It seems like a lot of teams are kind of in transition. So, you know, obviously you mentioned America, um, and then you've got a team like Monterrey, who, who now play with five Colombians and five big name Colombians, very, very good players. Just can't get it together, Monterrey, at the minute. Um, and you look at other teams, you know, Atlas, they're, they're okay, but they're not, they're not firing in all cylinders. Santos Laguna, big time transition there. Um, really. And, um, you know, Pachuca, you expect to be a lot higher. Leon, obviously won the double championship. Tigres, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think the first few weeks as well in Mexico. Because of the split season, I think a few teams really do struggle with fitness because you've got the finalists like American Tigres who basically have one week off and then you've got other teams who, who can have, you know, five, six weeks. Yeah. Um, so there's a big difference in, in, in terms of, you know, what, in what state the teams go into the, to the Clausura Championship each year. Tom Marshall, Mexico World Cup on Twitter. We've run out of time. We could do this for, for many a uh, minute. Uh, Tom, appreciate your, uh, your wisdom and your insight and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Nice one, Jason. Thanks a lot. There goes Tom, and we'll uh, come back. We'll talk to David Cartledge from over in Spain. Get some Liga, La Liga, not Liga MX, La Liga insight from David. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, Backyard.com. Here comes my boy. 
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com with Jason Davis. Here we go, We're talking Spain and La Liga with our friend David Cartledge, who is now on Skype. We have upgraded the technology. Uh, I was telling him, he sounds a little different via Skype. You'll have to make it a mental adjustment, but it is David. Hi, how are you, David? I'm very good, thank you, and I hope it sounds clearer and, and more insightful. Uh, more, more insightful. I'm not sure how that's possible, but hopefully yeah. that uh, that comes through here. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's talk about some of these. I, I, I you know, I want to I want to talk about the play on the field, and certainly there's things to talk about about with Barcelona and Real Madrid, and we sort of uh, talked about Valencia before we came on the air, and uh, you know, uh, Sociedad's going to lose Carlos Vela, and, and what kind of blow is that? But there are some bigger things happening in Spain that I think are, are probably first uh, and to, first top uh, and top of mind for us here, and that's there a couple of I, I, maybe you can explain it to me because I think it's easy to get lost here. There's a there's actually currently a fight going on between the government, the league, and the Spanish FA. What exactly is that all about? Okay. <laughs> well, it's quite a complex situation. Nothing in terms of a power struggle in Spain. I mean, think of a normal power struggle in any other country. And then think of it in Spain. It's, it's far more entwined. Basically, the, the, the top headline is that, that uh, Vila, who's the Spanish FA president, he's the man who overlooks everything. He's asked UEFA and FIFA to get rid of Spain's sport minister, um, which is <laughs> it's, it's quite, a, quite a big thing that he's actually asked there to do. Whether he'll get that, I'm not too sure. But there's a there's a war of words going on in the press in between in us and Mark and places like that where everybody's doing their own little interviews and saying this is why he should go, this is why he shouldn't, and it's 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 not ideal because there's a, as we've spoken about in the show many a time, there are lots of problems in Spanish football uh-huh. despite the, the the beautiful football, the players are brilliant and and all this. There are a lot of problems in Spanish football, and they're not going to get dealt with while these two guys are arguing, and while everybody else is arguing. Oh, oh, so, so give me the reason. What what has the sport minister done? Now, first of all, I don't understand how FIFA and UEFA would have the power to help remove a sport minister. But what has he done that has angered has has angered the league, or angered any of the other parties involved here, the FA? Right. Yeah. The the base just. For, for number one thing is is how everything's being run at the moment in in, in a case of it, it's just um, <laughs> it, it's hard to describe because it's so there's so so much uh, there's so many deaths to it and, and basically how things are being run at the moment he's not happy with but also there's there's money changing hands there's money going places that the people that hasn't been declared and that's not going well, that's not going down well as well and cast might be getting involved and. And Villa is really, who's the Spanish FA president, he's really, really going to town on on everybody. But, I mean, Villa has, is no angel himself, you know. He's He's got a lot of issues himself in terms of what he hasn't dealt with in Spanish football, you know. So it's it always makes me laugh in, in Spanish football when people criticise each other that like, everybody is living in a glass house, basically. So if you're going to criticise somebody, then you, you need to make sure that your history and your background is, is, is clear-cut. But Villa's isn't, and it's... This one's going to play out, I think, for a while. I don't think UEFA or FIFA are going to act. Yeah, I think it's, it's, this one's going to go on a while. It looks like, I mean, it, it, as you said, it, it ultimately comes down to money, it seems, and, and we'll see whether or not there's any, any fallout. Now, again, this is sort of a, one of those distractions off the field for, uh, for Spanish football. The other distraction, at least when it comes to Barcelona, has been 
the full fallout of the Neymar transfer. Now, I, I thought this was over and done with, but now I'm seeing a story that a Spanish prosecutor has moved to ask for a probe of, of uh, Joseph Maria Bartomeu and for for tax fraud as it relates to the Neymar transfer is this is this potentially a danger to Barcelona is this just another you know is the government just going to continue to chip away as much as they can in regards to this transfer again this is something else that has been running and running and running and you feel even if it does if it does become that you get a conclusion of somewhat say Bartomeu gets charged i mean the the reports are i mean it's not even reports now i think there's pretty much acceptance that um, Bartomeu is going to face charges over fraud, over fiscal fraud, for, for, and, and will testify in court. I think it's, it's February 13th that he will appear in court. Now, obviously, this, is, this goes against everything what Barcelona believe in, all Barcelona's val- values, and they've already said that they want to express, that they've already said they've expressed um, surprise, indignation, and total disagreement with Rosell facing trial over the Neymar transfers. That's Sandra Rosell, the pre- who was the man who was in charge before. So this is something that's stretching over, and this is again all going against that Barcelona Barcelona name. Again, something we've discussed, we've discussed before. Barcelona aren't that that angelic heavenly team that we've that, that they used to be maybe ten years ago that everybody looked up to. There is lots of these these things kicking out. There's fraud cases. There's the sponsorship deals. There's, I mean, this Neymar, this uh, Neymar, who he's, he's been fantastic, of course, but this Neymar deal has been absolutely horrendous for Barcelona in the in the big picture of things. Uh, does it? Do the fans? Do the fans care? Do the members care uh, about all of this stuff? I mean, maybe the members do, but I mean, obviously, Barcelona's got a much larger fan base across the globe who yeah. just just enjoys watching Neymar play and be part of of what they're doing right now. And as you said, he's been fantastic. So, where's the balance between? It's good that we've got Neymar. Look how look how fantastic he is, and he fits what we're doing at Barcelona. And oh my God, it's another probe. It's another challenge. Another legal case. It's another uh, allegation of wrongdoing. Exactly. I mean, for the staunch supporter, for the traditional supporter, this is this is terrible because there's obviously a lot of Barcelona fans who who won't go and see Barcelona play anymore, and who who won't have the interest as before because Barcelona have changed so much as a club. Um, but then the people who were there, and I mean, Bartomeu, let's be honest, he was, he, he was awarded presidency illegally. That, that was illegally how he did it. He should have run. He should have faced elections properly. And, you know, he's been under so much pressure to do that. And he's going to face them now. He's, he's called them early, I think, to, to bow down to pressure and take a bit of heat off the club. So I think the main thing is the Bartomeu goes out the club. I don't think there's, there's not many people inside of Barcelona in terms of the socios who, who want Bartomeu to continue. Um, so I think he will probably be gone this summer anyway. But again, it's still hanging over. It doesn't really matter because Rossell's gone and it's still hanging over, over him and over Barcelona. So Bartomeu could go and it's still going to hang over the club as well. So this one is just, it, it's just, it's baggage that Barcelona are going to find really, really difficult to get rid of and I, I don't think that, I don't think they ever will I think this will always be something that they uh, they poked with basically it's something I always brought up uh, quickly here while I'm on the subject and, and you mentioned Barcelona's image and they're not angelic and they certainly have co- sort of broken all of that uh, that magic but th- there was um, if I'm not mistaken there was a story about them potentially reviewing this the shirt front sponsorship yeah. deal where do things stand on that and what was the reasoning behind that Sorry, can you just repeat that, please? The, the, was there a story about reviewing the sponsorship deal on the shirt front for the Qataris? Was there was there something in the news about that, or am I mistaken? 
Um, I'm not too sure about that one, actually. Okay. I mean, like I said, there's been lots of discontent with it, and I think money's coming from certain areas, and, and with financial fair play, I think a lot of things are getting tweaked, but I've never read anything okay. where there's going to be an investigation. I, I, may, I may have been mistaken on that. Certainly, there's in, in Madrid, there's the story about the, the potential stadium naming rights and all of those things, and obviously, <laughs> yeah. the, the money that's coming into Spanish football, we had a... Um, we, we recently had Atletico Madrid with the purchase by Chinese investors. Is that right uh, as well? How, how is that all going down right now? It's been before I turn to the field and I know I'm, I keep doing this, David. How's that all going down in terms of the, the perception of Spanish football? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it, I mean, on one hand, the fans of these clubs who are outside of Real Madrid and Barcelona, they want somebody to come in and, and be a, it's just to pump money into the club and, but, I mean, Malaga had that, and then that fell out. Racing Santander thought they had that, and that fell out as well, you know? And and then now Valencia have got that as well, and we're seeing how that one goes with uh, with, with Valencia. Um, but I think fans are always, I don't know, they're, they're, they're fickle in a way, because the, that money comes in and they see the money, you're okay, yeah, great, but you've got to look at the bigger picture with this, you know? And it, you don't know when somebody's going to walk out. What happens if Peter Lim walks out on Valencia tomorrow and says, right, these players I brought in, I'm just going to sell them straight away and out of the highest bidder. Or the men, the Andre Gomez. What happens if they all went tomorrow? So there's always that danger that the safety net might be might be taken away. But I think the initial reaction is, oh, great, because somebody's going to pump some money into the club and we're going to be able to buy X player in this window. And, that, and that's the smaller picture. But the bigger picture is the long run. The bigger picture is how are you getting these players? What third parties are involved? And... It's it's a it's a it's an endless string basically where you can find you can never find the end of. Mm. Uh, currently, the table right now, uh, Real Madrid one point ahead of Barcelona, and they maintain that lead with their four one win over Sociedad on the weekend without Ronaldo, who was obviously banned for his uh, his incident against Cordoba. Um, how did uh, how did Ancelotti manage that uh, that game without Ronaldo? And uh, tell me a little bit about Bale getting booed. Yes, Bills, Bills. We'll, we'll start with Gareth Bale because there's a section of the support who just aren't really, haven't really taken to him because, because Bale isn't a player that gets involved with play too much and he doesn't get on the ball a lot in the game. He doesn't dictate. He doesn't take control of the team. And right now there's a young man who also happens to be Spanish, which helps a great deal in Madrid. Um, called Isco, and right now he is he is running this team and linking into that Real Sociedad game. He he ran everything uh, for Real Madrid that game, and I mean even when Ronaldo uh, Cristiano comes back, Isco is running Real Madrid right now. This 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 young player they bought him from Malaga and they've had him and he is developing at a rapid rate, and it's it's fantastic to see. And even people like Ronaldo and Bale and James Rodriguez uh, are relying on Isco to to run Real Madrid to to connect between deep midfield and attack and and he's linking everything and he, he looks so mature right now he's still so young and he's got such a huge future it is it's quite something and I think we're seeing possibly the leader maybe of Spain's football for the next 10 years in his score I, I really do I can't I can't mm-hmm. say that enough how, how unbelievable he is looking right now uh, Kareem Benzema obviously very important to this team as well. I believe he scored yes. uh, twice for Madrid against Sociedad. Uh, there's look, there's there's obviously enough uh, enough firepower within the team for them to manage this uh, period without Ronaldo. It's a three match ban, but and and I, I I forget who they have coming up next. Both these games, or no, is it only two matches that he'll miss? I apologize. Um, he'll be back for the for the Atleti derby. 
Is that right? I seem to have lost David. I apologize. We, uh, we've having, we're having an issue with the call to David. Let me see if I can pull this back up. In the meantime, we'll just look at, at, at the, uh, the situation in Spain with Real Madrid one point above Barcelona, four, uh, four points above Atletico, Atletico Madrid, who's on 47. David, are you back with me? Yes, I'm here. I, I was just, I was just, um, apologize for that connection issue. I, I was just, um, uh, you know, I was just sort of outlining the the situation at Real Madrid with the, the firepower that they have, and mm. the number of games that Ronaldo will miss. It's 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 fallen out of my head, but I know he'll be back for the Atletico Atletico Madrid derby match. Um, is yes, is is there a chance that that Real Madrid takes on a different kind of character without Ronaldo in the lineup? How do how do you think that that works for them? He's such he's such a a big figure. Even when the game doesn't go through him, he's such a big figure. How do things change for them? No, of course. I mean, it's only two games. I mean, and there's obviously been a little bit, a little bit of discontent in Spain with that. The fact that he only got two, two games, and he did punch and he kicked somebody, um, so that hasn't gone down well. But it's two games, so they, they don't need all the too much. And like I say, they've got so much firepower. I mean, James Rodriguez has played really well. I think a lot of people look at his fee and, and don't give him the credit that he's actually deserving because I think James has been fantastic in terms of replacing Angel de Maria, who is such a big influence on Real Madrid's play, and. I think they don't need to change too much without Ronaldo, to be honest with you. There's somebody who can come in. I mean, James will switch over to the the right, Bale will go over to the left, and mm. his score comes through in the middle. And Benzema's obviously working away as he does. And, and they've got Hesse, who can come off the bench as well. And there's really, honestly, not too much to worry about without Ronaldo. I'm not saying sell him in the next window. <laughs> they don't need him but <laughs> by any means. But, yeah, I think they can manage without him. For, for four, you know, Even if this was four or five games, I think they can manage without him, most certainly. Uh, let's uh, let's turn uh, to to Valencia as you uh, as you were mentioning before we came on the air. Currently uh, in fifth place, but some question over their over their form and, and some, maybe some discontent among their among their fan base. Yeah, of course, of course. There's a there's a just I don't know with with Valencia there there was a lot of euphoria in terms of Peter Lim another. I lost David again. Let's see if he comes back here. I apologize. Skype just doesn't want to cooperate with uh, with us from Spain right now. David, are you with me? Okay. Uh, seems to have lost David again. In that case, we'll, we'll talk about Valencia. Maybe I can get him back. But let's go ahead and uh, take a break. Let's do that. We'll take a break. We'll come back. If we can grab David, we'll do some Valencia talk. If not, we'll move on. And do um and do something else. We'll do uh calls and tweets and everything else there. Yeah, that's what we'll do. It's soccer morning. Backheel.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning. We'll have to hear about Valencia from David Cartledge another time. Apologize for that. Connection issue from Spain with David, but uh, it was a good chat otherwise. Let's move on. Open up the phone lines, 347-756-6276, 347-756-6276. Jump in and give me uh, what's on your mind today, and, and I think that this is going to be one of the things that uh, that people might want to talk about. 
If you've not seen these comments from Jurgen Klinsmann, those recent comments from Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, as it relates to the U.S. national team and their preparations and the way that they play, I, I don't want to make a big deal out of this because this is just Klinsmann being Klinsmann. But he has essentially put the burden of the losses on the players by saying that they don't know how to, they don't know how to train, they don't know how to prepare, that the other, uh, unlike other sports, they don't know how to return from vacation to get ready for the season on their own. They don't have that here. This is a direct quote from Jurgen Klinsmann. They don't have that. Oh, okay. At the beginning of December, go to athletes performance in Phoenix and get myself fit. That culture we don't have yet. What the other sports are doing really well, they use their prepar- their preparation for preseason four to six weeks prior to going into preseason with their NBA team, NFL team, or, or what of what or whatever. They go to these fitness institutes and they get themselves fit. So it's the culture is not there. The players have all the material. They should have done that work twice a day, but reality is still different. Reality is education wise, we were not there yet. That they understand. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It's a lot to discuss. It's fine. It's just where we are right now, and we want to keep improving. It's fine. Then why bring it up if it's fine? I don't even think the issue of whether or not the players are fit or that they're doing individual fitness preparation is is the point. I mean, why are we why are we doing this publicly again? What 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 education are we talking about here? I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm over Klinsman being this guy. It's always about misdirection. Meanwhile, and sort of tie this in a little bit, I saw this, our friend Jonathan Tannewald at Philly.com tweeted this. This is a, an opinion piece by John Smallwood, Daily News sports columnist. He says, MLS should start even earlier than it already does. Starts on March 6th. He says, why not start earlier? Take advantage of the fact that February is an extremely fallow month in, in the American sports scene. Go ahead and get the Super Bowl ends. Get your, get, get your season going. Capitalize on the potential to be the only, one of the only big, big games in town on a professional sports landscape. The NBA season's going on. The NHL season's going on. They're in the middle. We're sort of not ready to ramp up to playoff time yet with those sports. Taking advantage of an unusual break in a crowded sports calendar might be a way to boost the profile of both. And he's talking about MLS and women's college basketball. Should MLS start earlier? I know Jurgen Klinsmann would love for it to. I think we'd have some serious scheduling problems. You'd have to avoid New England right now. You'd have to avoid New York right now. You'd have to avoid Toronto right now. You'd have to avoid, I mean, it's, it's a in terms of, of weather, it's a fairly significant thing. Now, I, the argument always seems to be, and it seems a, a little simple to me, but the argument always seems to be, we'll start to start the season, you know, with everybody in the South playing home games. So Houston will play at home and Orlando will play at home. LA should play at home. If you have if you have the opportunity to do that, I don't know. Now that doesn't it doesn't do anything for the issue Trevor Hayward's personal uh, pet issue that 
the MLS playoffs in the championship game were right smack in the middle of the NFL and, and, and major college football season. And in order to get a little more attention, you should change your season over. I don't think that does anything for that. 414, you're on the air. I don't think MLS is start any earlier. Uh, we just had a massive snowstorm in the Midwest. About a uh, foot of snow fell on Super Bowl Sunday. So, I mean, I mean that that's, uh, you know, you're looking at cancellation of games. I think there's no cancellation of games if you start earlier. That's always tricky. Well, but I also want to say, Go ahead. Uh, when it pertains to Kubo Torres, uh, what uh, Tom forgot to mention is that uh, Omar Bravo is like five goals away from becoming the all-time leading goal scorer for uh, Guadalajara. Okay. And so, uh, I mean, uh, that's a legendary player. And Kubo Torres has played in two Copa MX games and has yet to score a goal. Well, so I mean, it's not like he's lighting it up. Sure, but that's, that's two matches. If he's coming off the bench, we know how hard that is. It's a specialized sort of thing. I mean, Chicharito made and, his and name. The, and, and the Copa MX games, he started. I no, believe he started both both games sure, in Copa sure, MX. Sure. And they're, I, you're, that's second division uh, opposition that you're playing against. No, I understand that. I, I understand that. I understand that there's a lot of pressure to score in those games, even if it's only two and it's a small sample size. And I'm not, hey, I'm not sitting here advocating for him to start over Omar Bravo because I'm not watching those games. But I, I think your point about Bravo being close to a record that that probably plays a significant uh, uh, that probably plays a significant role in what Chepo is thinking because you know you want to get a guy like Omar Bravo a, a record is, if if he's close to it like that it's just that you know with Kubo Torres being there and then eventually making the move back to MLS it's sort of wasted time he could be training right now with Houston getting ready for the MLS season if he's not going to play that much for Guadalajara right that's true that's true all right you got anything else. No, that's it, man. Have a good day. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, some response here to the idea of starting the MLS season a little bit earlier. Mike says, I can't fathom how cold it will be at PPL Park on March 7th, let alone today. Yeah, I don't know what the temperature is. I mean, look, even in D.C., where I am, I think the the temperature's in the, the mid-30s right now. I mean, that's not, it's not overly cold. I mean, it's not like you can't bundle up. Oh, no, it's 23 degrees where I am right now. I don't know what it is in, this, in the city. High in the mid-30s. So if if you're an, an MLS fan and the and the season was starting in February, right after the Super Bowl, as John and I'm not, I'm not really taking John Smallwood down here. We just need to we need to consider the notion and really again what the reason that he brings this up and the thing that MLS fans continually struggle with is how do you get the league more attention? The the it, we live in a country where it's sports 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 all the time. There's always something happening. There's always something bigger than MLS happening. That's that's just the facts of the matter. Even when ML, even when MLS is only going up against Major League Baseball, it's secondary. The only time MLS seems to have the calendar completely 100% to itself is during the ML, uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star break. That's the only time. And I don't know how you maximize that, and I don't really care right now. But in terms of starting the season a little bit earlier to try to go, to come in right after the NFL, I don't know. For MLS, it would be about drawing attention to the fact that your sport is about to kick off. This is from John Smallwood's piece. February could offer a great opportunity. For Major League Soccer and Women's College of Basketball, the month that offers the least could be an opportunity to strengthen their niches 
in the American sports arena. Taking advantage of an unusual break in a crowded sports calendar could be a... I already read that line. So, I, I don't know. It's cold. It's cold. Francisco, MLS started in February, then we'd have the same schedule as the rest of the world. There's no difference between January and February. Well, no, that really wouldn't be the case. You'd have to take the break in the summer and then play from September. I I don't know. I I don't know. It, it it's it's I do think that we constantly we're constantly worried about MLS getting attention. And and there is some notion to the idea that there, I mean there's some some something there to the idea of trying to to find those dead spaces in the calendar to push your league, but I'm not sure that that makes that much of a difference. I mean what what we what MLS really needs to get to is level a, a level playing field when it comes to the media coverage of its sport, and that the, maybe that's a long long way away. And I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not railing against media outlets who don't cover MLS. MLS it's all the burden falls squarely on soccer. To make itself relevant, it's not the other way around. Yeah, there's some old, uh, some old white guys sitting in radio studios and writing columns for papers who don't get soccer. That's a little bit of a different story. But show that there's a fan base and make yourself relevant, and you'll get the coverage. Maybe you'll get a little talk on the on the sports talk station. Maybe uh, maybe the local news does a couple more stories on you per week. That's on MLS. I don't know that the changing around your calendar to try to find some soft spots is the way to go. 347-756-6276. There's actually some good soccer on today. A couple of interesting games. You've got uh, Bayern Munich and Schalke in the, in the uh, Bundesliga. So that could be good. Tuesday, and you have uh, FA Cup action, Fulham and Sunderland. Manchester United against Cambridge United. And Sheffield United and Preston North End. So there's your, there's your FA Cup matches. In the Bundesliga, four games. Bayern Schalke. Borussia Mönchengladbach against Freiburg. Eintracht Frankfurt, Frankfurt against Wolfsburg. And Hanover versus Mainz. So there you go. Some If you can find a way to get some streams up, there's your uh, there's your streams right there. Who shows the FA Cup games? Does Fox have the FA Cup? I believe that's uh is that is that right? So I imagine at least somebody will be on television this afternoon in terms of English football. Josh on Twitter says there's really not much else the first weekend of March. If you can't compete with Major League Baseball spring training, that's on MLS's shoulders. That's a good point. You're not even you're not you haven't even gotten to the NCAA tournament yet. The first week of March. So you still have that. That It's not that you have everything to yourself. You're never going to have your cal- the calendar to yourself. But I mean, then again, spring training in baseball, it, it draws media coverage, even if it doesn't necessarily draw fan attention the way it used to. People, people care on some level that things are getting underway. Pitchers and catchers report. It used to be the thing. Somebody's out there right now, got a countdown in their head of how how many days it is until kid, pitchers and catchers report. 
So, so MLS can maybe carve out something in the beginning of March, but there's there is something to be said for baseball having a traditional hold on the coverage at least. Now, Matt uh, Killingsworth could also build uh, build to avoid playoffs in the cluster of FIFA window and then November December holiday season. I. I uh, I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect situation for MLS when it comes to its playoff schedule, its championship game. Now, there, there, are, there are stupider ways to, to do it than others. And I'm not sure that the way it's done right now is the best way. I don't think it's the worst way. But is if you move things around, you move the season back a month, that puts... If you stay on the same, the, roughly the same number of dates, that puts the championship game in the beginning of November. Is that better than the beginning of December? Probably on some level. But again, I mean, you have to get to back. You're going to front load the schedule with southern and warm weather sites. I'm not the guy doing the math to put the season together. We know we're not going to a balanced schedule anytime soon. So there's none of that. And it just makes it more difficult. Last call for phone calls, 347-756-6276. Uh, John P. O'Donnell on Twitter. My, oh, my, oh, my, 96. Wasn't this past offseason one of the most eventful with coverage for MLS? It just needs history. And there's something to be said for that. John's got a point. More than anything else, what MLS needs to do is just be around from season to season to season. Next year's the 20th anniversary or 20th season of the league. Something for to, to, to that. Is that this season? It just needs to be around and become part of the consciousness of the country on a sports level. That's all. That's mostly what it takes. I mean, remember. That the NBA, the NBA finals were on tape, showed on tape de- delay on television until the early 80s when Bird and Magic showed up and made the league more popular. I mean, it's, it's sort of easy to throw stones and say MLS has terrible TV ratings. They can't get any traction. Nobody cares. Sometimes these things take some time in order for it to become culturally culturally relevant. I can't say that word right now. It's not just about, I don't know, marketing yourself. And yeah, I, I guess, you know, for the NBA in the early 80s, there wasn't as much competition. So you could, you could even argue it's harder for MLS now. Do you give them any credit for what they've created so far? Or do you want to just say, hey, you've screwed it up, change it. A lot to consider there. All right. Uh, thank you very much to our guest today, Tom Marshall, David Cartledge. Sorry for the connection there with uh, David. We'll hopefully, we'll have him back soon. Cover more of what's going on in La Liga. Make sure you're going to 3nilfc.com to buy a t shirt. It's the only place to get the official Soccer Morning t shirt. Get your official Soccer Morning mug at backhill.com slash store. We're on iTunes. You can give us a rating and a review, it helps us out a lot. What else? I think that's it. I think we're done. We'll be back on Wednesday. See you tomorrow, guys. Bye.